HTJ.tax, the international tax firm for six, seven, and eight-figure investors and entrepreneurs who are living that international life. Are you ready? We're going to talk about retirement planning now. So Liz is asking how uh, the 43B, which is a, a public sector retirement fund, uh, IRAs, individual retirement accounts in the U.S., and Roth IRAs, which would be after-tax money, like we discussed earlier, how withdrawals from that in the U.S. tax in Australia as she's Australian tax resident? Sure. So if it's a public sector fund, it would depend on the... I'll start to begin. There's two things. If you can't, when you move to Australia, actually transfer your your balance to an Australian fund, we're not talking about that. We're talking about what happens when you're actually uh, you met whatever conditions of release over in the the US, and you're actually pulling out um, pulling out funds. Uh, in those circumstances, the double tax agreements regardless of the, the domestic uh, rules in, in either country, um, the double tax agreements uh, ordinarily give, and, and from where the US, uh, Australia DTA, gives taxing rights to the Australian, um, to so the residence country of the individual, not the source country of the, of the pension. So if that's the, the case, that payment, if it's, if it's accessible in Australia, even though it's, not accessible in the US, then you, you've kind of blown up that the, the tax benefit from a US perspective by being an Australian resident. And the reverse is, is also true. You could be in receipt of a tax-free pension in Australia, but live in a country that taxes that. The DTA assigns sole taxing rights to the other country and you get taxed. Right. And I just, so I, I want to continue from where you've left off because we, one would find because, you know, inter Australia is an international jurisdiction for people who work with multinationals. So it's not uncommon for Americans to do a stint in Australia and then return to the US. So they work with an Australian subsidiary of, you know, one of the big tech companies or one of the big financial institutions and they return to the US. And when they return to the US, invariably because they spend time in australia they have a super now they can't it's not really portable it's not easily portable so they need to leave it in australia until they retire and now upon retirement it's like okay i want to access that money how am i going to do so so as you pointed out it may be tax-free to australia but it's taxable in the U.S. Now, I'll just comment, Liz. I know you didn't ask about this, but I'm just commenting generally. So we see like three approaches from a U.S. tax perspective. They are the adventurous tax professionals. They say, well, you know, the Australian super is actually like a social security program, not in the actual legislation, but in legislative intent. Because in Parliament, when it was being uh, created and when it's being modified, it, I believe it was mentioned that the intent is for it to replace the, its predecessor, which is, an, in fact, a, a proper social security program as we know it. So these glamorous U.S. tax professionals say it's social security, so it's not taxable in the U.S. I, we think that that is an extreme position. You take that position uh, on your own risk and the IRS may come after you and with interest and penalties and whatever. So that is, that is a, a more dangerous position to take. 
on the other hand, uh, you, you can just look at it as a straightforward distribution and some sort of forensic analysis would be needed to determine, okay, what is the basis in the superannuation? How much was originally in, uh, what was the original contribution? Right. And then what is the delta between the contribution and its present value? And that delta it will be subject to, to tax upon distribution. So as in well, you pull it out, it'll be taxed at ordinary tax rates. So that that's the other extreme. It's very conservative. And, and to be honest, that's the one we would feel comfortable with. There's a middle ground. Some people look at, especially with self-managed funds, self SMSFs. We some people say, well, you know, more than 50% of the value in the super is my contribution as opposed to an employer. So it's it's me. So therefore, I want to treat it as a, a grant to a trust. And it can be treated as a grant to a trust under US tax rules. In that case, you don't wait until there's a distribution. As there is growth in the fund on an annual basis, it can be declared and subject to taxes in the US. But that has some complications as well because there is debate. There was a, an article that was published in one of the peer-reviewed legal journals in the U.S. that was exploring that, that, that option of looking at it as a, a foreign grant or trust. And they're, they're saying, okay, well, your contributions, okay, that's fine. We can look at it as a grant or trust. It, you, the fund will declare uh, a 3520A and you refer that to the IRS and you pay taxes on it on your personal tax return. But what about if you were employed at some point in time? What about your employer contributions? Would that be part of a grant to a trust or would that actually be a non-grant to a trust? And so that, that becomes a bit complex. And then what about if the fund was used to invest in, you know, in pooled investment schemes, some funds in, in Australia, right? So, or some equity funds. So it's a, it's a possible that it would trigger something called PFIX or passive foreign investment company tax treatment, which again is not to the taxpayer's advantage. So, we think that on the so this is on the other side in terms of someone being U.S. tax resident with uh, an Australian super and uh, receiving a distribution. They probably need to sit with a tax professional to really go through the pros and cons of each of the possible approaches to see what would work uh, most efficiently given your unique circumstances. So she's in Australia with U.S. pensions. Any monies that are withdrawn from the 403B or from the IRA funds are taxed in Australia if you're a resident for tax purposes in Australia. James? I'd be surprised if, if they weren't. Right. And she's asking roughly what rate of tax would be applied. Uh, it just it depends on you. All, yeah. all we don't have separate, separate tax rates um, for different types of income generally. It's just all pooled. Mm -hmm. So if you have any other type of income, it just all goes into the one pool and it's assessed at your marginal tax rate based on what bracket you fall in in that year up to a maximum mm -hmm. currently. 40, 45 plus the, the Medicare levy, 2%. Right. And the, uh, the opposite obtains in the US as well. You just be taxed on your, on your marginal tax rate as well. Because all ordinary income is just kind of pooled yeah, in together. Yeah, lumped in together. Yeah. So if you're a six, seven, or eight-figure investor, entrepreneur, or business owner who needs a tailor-made solution from a qualified team of professionals, we can help you achieve the international lifestyle, the freedom, 
and even the tax savings you're looking for. Visit us at htj.tax and live that international life.